So, this is my first attempt at a Greatest Movie Ever Made episode. And I'm going to start it out with what I think, as of right now, is the greatest film ever made. That would be Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 Vietnam War film, Apocalypse Now. And there's so much to say about this movie, because it works on so many levels. And Coppola even talks about this. It has to give answers on every single level, not just a surface level, not just one beneath, but every... He said 47 levels, 50 levels. You have to keep going and keep giving answers and keep having something there. And Apocalypse Now is that. And so... He set out to make this movie after being mocked, I guess, because he was unable to make something, I guess, other than The Godfather. He had made good movies that were The Godfather and The Conversation, and The Conversation hadn't gotten much attention. And so, he set out to make this movie about Vietnam War, because he wanted to tackle something, a serious subject. And to understand why I believe this is the greatest film ever made, you really have to go all the way back and look at its production first. So going in, he was given a, a little bit of money, not near enough to make this movie. And he had no script, all he had was the loose outline of Joseph Conrad's novel, Heart of Darkness, in which a sailor tells the story of when he was sent by a company, just the company, on a steamboat down a river to find this man who worked for the company, and the man's name was Walter E. Kurtz. And he found out that this man, Walter E. Kurtz, had a tribe, if you will, a bunch of natives from this jungle following him. And that's the story of Heart of Darkness. It's a short story, it's very simple, and it's very good. You, I highly recommend you read it. And that's all Coppola had going in, because he wanted to get Vietnam War, and he wanted it based on, based on Heart of Darkness. And before I uh, keep going, I should probably warn you, I will be going full spoilers in this. I highly recommend you still listen, but if you don't want the movie spoiled, avoid this. So, the production began. They go out to the jungle, and they and they need a lead actor, so they go, he goes to uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson turns him down. He goes to Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen turns him down. Al Pacino, who he had given, Francis Ford Coppola had practically given Al Pacino a career. Al Pacino turns him down for the lead. So he goes to Harvey Keitel, and Harvey Keitel says yes, and they go out and they start filming, and Francis Ford Coppola doesn't like the performance. So he fires Harvey Keitel, and he has this guy named Martin Sheen flown in on his private jet to take over the role. And it pretty much only gets worse from there, because at the beginning, Martin Sheen turns 36 on his birthday, and they begin to film the opening scene in which Captain Willard, Sheen's character, is in his bedroom, and he completely loses it. He goes crazy, if you will. No, if not if you will, he goes crazy. There's no denying it. And this wasn't a real performance. Martin Sheen had been awake for 24 hours. He was completely and utterly drunk. And he had no idea what was going on. So he was flailing around. He was crying. He punched a mirror and cut his hand open. You can see that in the movie. He got naked. And he was just laying there in these bloody sheets. Crying on camera. And it wasn't a performance. And... When Francis Ford Coppola told everybody to stop and get a doctor, Martin Sheen told him to keep filming. And he did. Later, Martin Sheen had a heart attack, and he was crawling down the road and somebody found him and went to the hospital. 
pretty much everything was going to crap at this point. So, Martin Sheen's in the hospital, and Francis Ford Coppola orders a total media blackout. He said, even if Martin dies, he's not dead until I say he is. And so after this, it took six weeks for Martin to fully recover, and they continue filming, and Francis Ford Coppola is putting millions of dollars in it of his own money into this production at this point. So they get out there, and they're filming, and their sets are destroyed by rampant fires and monsoons and storms. Helicopters are called away that were being used in the film to kill actual rebels, an actual war that wasn't far away. And so they get down in the river, and they go, and they start filming where Kurtz would be. And they set up the set. They had no script, no dialogue, and basically, nothing looked good. As the prop man begins to set up Kurtz's palace, if you will, the terminology is not exact, I'm not sure there's concrete terminology I could use. There were supposed to be bodies everywhere, and he wasn't satisfied with the dummies, so he had a man who supplied cadavers to schools come in and fill the area with bodies, real bodies. And soon the production manager realized that this guy, the guy that supplied the cadavers, wasn't wasn't getting these. He was going out at night and he was grave robbing to find these corpses to use in the movie. And so they had them all hauled off and the man was arrested. So they had pretty much no idea what was happening at this point. Everything was just going to crap. And and I guess at this point is a bad thing to say. They had no idea what was going on the whole time. They had no scenes that particularly that were being filmed. They were just filming everything they could at any time. And so, they get the guy that's going to be playing Walter E. Kurtz, Marlon Brando, for an insane amount of money, absolutely insane, for four weeks to get on out there and film. Brando had said that he had read Heart of Darkness, and he hadn't, and so Coppola and Brando read it, they finish it, Coppola had already read it multiple times, of course, and Brando and Coppola had hour-long conversations, not hour, but hours, that would take whole days to finish. They were, they, as they talked about the character, they filmed 18 minutes of Marlon Brando rambling, and they managed to edit it down to two. They filmed the scenes very haphazardly that he was in, and they only used editing to make it have some kind of linear structure, and they used voiceover to give it some kind of linear structure. And so from there, the movie was completed. Millions and millions of dollars over budget, no idea what they were doing, and so they showed it to their investors. And their investors hated it. Coppola went back to his offices where his entire production team was, and he looked at him, and he said, he began to sing, a good script we haven't got, a good director we haven't got. A good film we haven't got, and he sang this whole song that he made up about this. There's a video online of him singing it later, like what he had, what he had said. So they trimmed it down, they tried it again, and they released it, and people liked it. It was a decently well-received movie, but it didn't win Best Picture. By I don't know how it didn't. So I don't know that that's a mystery in its own right. Again, freaking masterful movie. 
because it had so much to say. There was so much it was saying because later Coppola would go on, he would go on and he would talk about the movie and he said, my movie isn't about Vietnam. It is Vietnam. The conditions it was made in were Vietnam and that that is, it's true. Everything was insane. It, the production itself mirrored the event that it was replicating in every possible way. And so what does the movie say about Vietnam? Well, on a very surface level, we can see the insanity that it causes every single man that's around Willard and that's in Vietnam. The lack of control that the army has over these people who don't know why they're there. They, they know they're supposed to be there for their country. And they're supposed to be doing something, so they just killed everybody. They turned killing into a sport. The scene about, I'd say about a little over halfway through the movie, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Mr. Clean, shoots a boat full of innocent uh, Vietnamese civilians. And he does it because he thinks he's supposed to. So you have this surface level of all of these men who went to Vietnam having no idea what they were doing, and they just lost it. They started killing because they thought that was their goal. And so Coppola showed this. But he goes even deeper in the meanings of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Again, the movie, the, uh, the book, the movie was loosely based on. And it became something amazing. So what is the symbolism? What are the themes of the movie? I'd say one of the most obvious themes is that absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that's something that obviously shows up in Batman v Superman, of course it's much more well executed here. Kurtz, in this situation, has gained absolute power, and he has been corrupted absolutely by this power, but he's still lucid. You ha and you, on the other hand, you have the army, which is this way of thinking, this direct goal that is given even if the goal itself is confused it is the guarantee of a goal kurtz is swallowed up by this and instead takes this and creates his own goal from it and then he's given the opportunity of absolute power he is given this an opportunity to gain all the power in the world he becomes a god in in his own mind and in this little chunk of jungle. And then you have another major player, Willard, the main character. Willard is very similar to Kurtz in a number of ways. He is hardened, he is this military man who is once again shoved into a conflict he doesn't understand, but he lives there. It's his life now because it's guaranteeing some sense of purpose to him. So as he embarks on his quest to kill Kurtz, he's accompanied by many people. He meets many people. We have Kilgore, who is very similar to Kurtz, but he follows what the army says he's supposed to do. And then you have Lance, who, who I'll get to later. Clean, who is just this rock and roller, this very... I get this symbol for the entire generation that was destroyed by Vietnam. And then you have Chief who realizes the lies that the military has been telling him, this false goal he's been working towards. But he doesn't realize it until it's too late, and eventually he gets a spear through the chest. Finally, have Chef, 
who is the civilian in this instance, the the guy who just doesn't really want to be there. And Chef gets his head cut off. For no real reason at all, it just kind of happens to him, just like Vietnam kind of happens to the populace of America. Now, you're reading too much into that, and I sure hope I'm not, but that's the way I see it, at least. So from there, at the end, you have three people who remain in the final situation. Lance, Willard, and Kurtz. Willard has been tasked by the army, who he no longer believes in. He doesn't understand. He realizes there's no real goal anymore, but they've given him this goal, and he it's something. It's a, it's a goal for him. To kill Kurtz, who has gained absolute power. And then there is Lance, and now there's a lot of symbolism with Lance and cows. If And that's very strange. I know. But let me explain the significance of cows, and this sounds so stupid and conspiracy theorist and pretentious, and I really don't care, because this is the way I viewed the movie the first time I saw it, and it's the way I still view it after watching it again. Cows are, in this sense, effigies. A burning an effigy of a leader who you disagree with, and a goal, really. When Kilgore attacks the village at the beginning just because he wants to go surf, you see a cow being flown away on a helicopter. That is the goal being taken away from that place because that place has been taken, but the goal can't stay. When they reach Kurtz's uh, village or palace or whatever at the end of the river, there's cow. And Lance messes around with this cow for a while, he just slathers paint all over it for some reason. And then a ceremony begins. So this is the time when Willard goes up to kill Kurtz. And so all at once, Lance, who lives in his own reality and is in so many instances a coward who doesn't understand what's happening, is only in it for himself. He represents every coward, every single person who despises a leader, but doesn't care enough to really fight back, so they burn effigies. And in this moment, he goes up to kill the cow, along with all of the others in this tribe, I guess, that Kurtz has created, as Willard, who is driven and, under, and is given a goal, and when he's given this goal, he goes through with it goes to kill a real leader, Kurtz. It's an intercut at all at once. You see Willard killing Kurtz, and you see Lance and the tribal people, I don't know what to call them, killing this cow, and each time they're killing their own leaders. And so after Kurtz has been killed, Willard walks out, and all of the people who formerly followed Kurtz bow down to Willard, and Willard at this moment is offered absolute power, but he chooses to continue with his goal, with the goal that he was given, because it is concrete to him, he knows what it is, and so he takes Lance, and he leaves, and they drive out into the river, and that, that's it, that's the end of the movie. So at that moment, 
Willard had a triumph of the human spirit. He had not given in to the, the heart of darkness that I guess all people have because everybody has to have some kind of evil in, in them. If good exists, then evil exists as well. And that's so much of what's going on in this story. And I can continue about the characters, or about the lighting, or about the set pieces, or about the camera work, or about the editing, which is freaking brilliant. But I'm not going to, because I think you've heard me ramble enough now, and I'm sure you don't want to listen anymore if you've even made it this far. And some of it may not have made sense, and I might sound crazy, and I might sound stupid. And I probably do sound very stupid. But that's just kind of the way I see it, and that's kind of, and it's, there's so much depth, and there's always so much more to look into in this movie, and that's why I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I probably sound like an idiot, but hey, you know what? Why not? It's not like I care if I'm an idiot or not. 